for the longest time, I thought it was so seductive to just not really say what I feel and just be like the cool, like go with the flow woman who's just like in, Miss Independent, like doesn't have any feelings, doesn't have any needs, doesn't have any expectations. And like, that's how I navigated dating. And I thought it was working. Like I was like, oh, look at all these men. They love me because I just have no needs. What I realized is like, it's like a small explosion waiting to happen. Welcome to the Full Out Podcast, where you'll get tools, tips, and inspiration to start living your most passionate, expansive, and abundant life. I'm your host, Samantha Jo Harvey, professional dancer and group fitness trainer turned lifestyle entrepreneur, speaker, and women's empowerment coach. It is my mission to help women live their lives full out. No more surviving your days, playing small, or marking your way through life. It's time to let go of your blocks, step into your power, and own that you are worthy of having everything you want in your life, business, and relationships. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast. It's Sam, your host. I'm so happy you are back. I cannot wait for you to hear today's podcast interview. It's with my friend Elsa Morick, who is a high-end dating coach, a published author, speaker, and founder of the School of Modern Dating. Elsa helps high performers who've built a life they love attract someone special to share it with. She's been featured in Tinder, Betches, HuffPost, and a host of other places dropping truth bombs about modern dating and what it takes to effectively connect with and captivate the opposite sex. When she's not playing Hitch, P.S. my mom and I love that movie, Elsa loves binge eating cookie dough, hosting highly curated events, and learning foreign languages. And while we do talk about dating a lot, she gives us tons of tips, she gives us tons of mindset shifts and ideas, but more than that, we talk about bullying, we talk about trust, we talk about connection with women, we talk about what it was like for her as a woman from the Middle East to live abroad, to live in the US, and what that experience was like and how it shaped her. Literally, we touch on so many topics. We could have talked for another hour at least. Thank God this woman's in my life, and thank God you get to hear from her. I absolutely love her. I can't wait for you to check out this podcast. If you love it, share it with a friend, leave a review, and have an amazing day. Enjoy the interview. Elsa Morick, you are here and I'm so excited. Welcome to the Full Out Podcast. Thank you, my love. I'm so happy to be here. I just love you. I cannot wait to talk to you about all things dating. Ugh. So basically we got women up in here. We got women who are single, women who are dating, women who are divorced, women who are thinking about getting divorced, all of the above. We've got women that are in their teens. We got women in their sixties. I don't know if we got any seventies. So ladies, if you're out there in your seventies, you definitely got to message me and let me know, but I know we got ladies in their sixties and everything in between. And what I want to start with is what does it mean to you to live your life full out? Oh, I love this question. I love this question because I was predicting the question that you were going to ask because everyone always asks me how I got into dating coaching. So I've just kind of become like numb to the first 10 minutes of any interview because I'm just like, oh, that's the question. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) What does it mean to live full out, right? Hmm. For me, that means waking up every day excited would be the shortest way for me to put it. Because I know you and I were talking about this before we got on, but like one of the themes for me has been, and this is like, this is pretty vulnerable and raw, but one of the themes for me has been that 
even though I have quite literally built my dream life on paper, sometimes I wake up and there's like this heaviness in my body and I'm just like dragging myself through my dream condo (laughs) and like sitting on my amazing meditation chair that I picked out and like, you know, brewing my amazing dandelion extract that I've been drinking instead of coffee and sitting down on my laptop to do the work that I once dreamed of doing full time. And yet like there is a lack of fulfillment and a lack of like really appreciating every single detail of my life that I have designed to, to be everything that I want it to be. And so to me, living a life full out is waking up excited and choosing that because it's it, not every day when I wake up, I feel excited. Like some days I naturally do because it's Saturday and I have no responsibilities and no one to be accountable to. But on other days, I am learning again and again and again and again that it's a choice. Like I get to wake up and look around me and realize how beautiful my life is. And I get to choose excitement. And what I've noticed is on those days where I consciously choose excitement, everything else in my day flows in that energy. And it's not that everything is perfect in that day. It's just that everything follows the tone that I set in the morning. And when something falls out of whack, that's when I get to recommit. I actually learned from one of my coaches that high performers review their intentions on average every 52 minutes. Mm. So every 52 minutes, they're asking themselves, what am I committed to? And am I being that person right now? So that's something that I have recently committed to doing as well. Like almost every hour, just pausing and being like, if there's any kind of anxiety or anger or depression, just like pausing and being like, is this what I'm committed to right now? And if not, like, how do I shift? So that is it for me. Excitement, excitement in my relationships, excitement in my career, excitement in my finances, my relationship to my finances, to my health, to my sleep. And everything, like when there's excitement in all of those areas, they just continually grow because what you nurture grows. So Mm. that's what it means to me. That's, that's brilliant. A, I want to acknowledge and honor your vulnerability. Thank you for setting the tone and thank you for being that permission. Thank you for being honest with with your truth. And that's what I love about you is that you don't just put on the happy face when you're, Hey, I'm showing up to do a podcast and I'm, (laughs) let me show up in this way. You show up with authenticity and vulnerability and honesty. And I think that is so attractive. Like that's you're you're the woman I want to be friends with. Thank you for your truth. I, I think so many women go throughout their days and they were like, Hey, how are you? I'm fine. Hey, how are you? I'm fine. And we never break through that mask or that, that, uh, crust, if you will, and really go deep and, and connect. And I think that we, as women, we get to be honest and we get to be real. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. I found a girl recently on Instagram, just randomly through someone else's page. And she had an IGTV video about, uh, just how she had this event. She was expecting hundred people to sign up only 40 signed up. Well, I say only because I'm like in that mindset that again, like scarcity, but that's how she was framing it. Like, oh, only 40 people showed up. 
and she was entering the event with this scarcity and just kind of like blaming her, like just being really sad about it and just feeling really rejected. And anyway, the long story short is that I heard that and I was so grateful that someone with a big following and like, you know, if you look at all her pictures, like she's clearly a badass was willing to film this IGTV about like how depleted she felt after a launch that didn't go her way. And it was very inspiring. So I am, and, and I'm realizing it, and you probably, you might notice this as well in your life, but I'm realizing that every single time I think that a certain milestone is going to finally like be the thing. And then it's not, there's like this massive disappointment. First, it was like, oh, when I, when I don't work for anyone else, when I'm a full-time entrepreneur, like that's going to be it. I'm going to be, I'm going to walk around my apartment in a robe and my underwear. And I'm just going to be so happy that I don't answer to anyone. And then it was like, I got that. And it was so exciting for three months. And then it was like, oh, this comes with other stuff that I get to deal with. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, maybe it'll be once I get a book out, like that's always been a milestone. Oh my God, a publisher. Oh, this is so cool. Like, oh, I'm going to be able to talk about this everywhere I go. And it was like, that came out and it was like, <laughs> just like back to exactly how I was feeling. And then it's like the relationship. It's like, oh my God, this is like totally my dream, man, man. Once like this, if, if we become exclusive, I'm going to be the happiest fucking girl in the entire world. And it was like, that happened. And again, it was like, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, but it's like, oh, but it's still a choice to be happy because these things for whatever reason don't seem to be continually filling up my cup the way I thought they would. Like totally. I still get to do that myself. Yeah, totally. So. I, I did a podcast episode recently that was about our journey as souls. Like if you believe that we are souls having a human experience as souls, when we're in the ethers, when we're not in a human body, we're not able to touch. We're not able to taste. We're not able to have these experiences that we do as humans. And so not taking for granted the fact that you do get to wake up and make your dandelion tea and taste what that tastes like and smell what it smells like and feel the touch of your lover, like caressing your body and, and feel what it feels like to wake up in like beautiful sheets and, and to find the beauty in those moments, because the life that we are living in this particular human body only lasts so long. And so I just love that like exactly. reframe of what do I get to experience today when they always say it's not about the finish line, it's about the journey. It's like, yeah, we hear that, but how do we make that actually tangible? And for me, it's okay. How do I use all of my senses today? How, and, and it's that awareness and that intention, just like you were speaking of. So I love good. that. Yeah. Oh, so good. So I want to know about Elsa before you were a dating coach. Cause mm. I like, we're totally going to get to the juicy dating stuff, but I want to set the stage for people. I want to know what that journey was, why dating, why coaching, what makes you, you? Yeah. The journey before it's funny. Cause I was talking about this this morning, the journey before was very much that of the ugly duckling. It's like your, yeah, your conventional, maybe not conventional, but like your, your ugly duckling situation. I, so my parents are both Lebanese and I was born in Indianapolis in the United States. And then we moved to Lebanon when I was just turning nine, very awkward time to move to a new country, like just, you know, being thrown in very different than the United States. The culture was extremely different. 
I spoke Arabic, but I had a very heavy accent because I, you know, I grew up in the States at that point. And I was just very different than all my peers. These are like in Lebanon, the way it works is you go to a small school in your town and there's like 25 kids per class and they just grow up together from first to ninth grade. They're together the entire time. So by the time I'd gotten there, they'd been together for like five years, that same class. So I came in and I was very much the odd one out. And then on top of that, my younger sister had, she had something called selective mutism. And it's when a person selectively decides to be mute, basically. Like they, it's a psychological disorder. Um, I don't love the word disorder, but it's the one I'm going to use right now. But it's like a psychological imbalance, maybe, where someone just basically doesn't talk. And it will happen in children who have had some kind of trauma, but don't know how to express it. So our hypothesis as a family was that my sister, because we had so many babysitters growing up, because my parents both worked full time, um, and my mom was getting her residency, so she was like even sleeping at the hospitals a lot of the time. Our hypothesis is that she had a neglectful babysitter. So when she cried, the babysitter never really answered her. She kind of ignored her and let her do her thing. So my sister learned to equate like, oh, if I cry, nothing's actually going to happen. No one's actually going to come for me. So I'm just going to stay quiet. Wow. I'm going to stop like using this energy because it doesn't seem to be getting me any results. And so she, she was mute like the first five or six years of her life. She would only talk to us, her family, my mom, my dad, and me. That's it. Everyone else, it didn't matter who you were. When you talked to her, she was head to the floor, no words. And our, her teachers were like mind blown because she's, my sister's an engineer now. So she's always been really good at math and science. So they'd be like, she is so smart. Like her, her test scores are amazing. But when we call on her in class, we get nothing. So anyway, I'm sharing this because when I moved to Lebanon, not only was I a new kid, but my sister didn't talk to anyone. So I spent recesses with her instead Mm. of making my own friends Mm -hmm. because I knew that she had no one to talk to literally. So I would, I would spend every recess with her and that got us both picked on basically. And that went on until probably at least a year and a half in. And then I finally started to warm up to my classmates my sister finally started to kind of acclimate and my parents sent her to a therapist and she, she did child therapy and, and she was her play therapy rather. So she finally started to come out of her shell. And just as I was like, finally becoming, you know, one of like one of the tribe, I guess you could say my parents are like, Oh, just kidding. We're going to move actually. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So we'd been, th- we'd been there for two years and it was like on the cusp of when I was beginning to have friends and my parents were like, no, we're going to move because life here is really complicated and whatever. My mom opened a business. My dad couldn't find work. It was this whole thing. So I'm like, okay, fine. We're going to move where to. <laughs> and then of all fucking places, my dad comes to us one night to like disclose the decision him and my mom have made. And he's like, so, uh, we're moving to Japan. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And I'm just like, fuck you. Like I came from, I was happy in the States. You brought me to this country and now I finally start to fit in. And like, you want to drag me to fucking Japan? Like, I don't know anything about that place. 
And mind you, I'm a kid. I'm not thinking about all the possibilities of like living in Japan. How cool could that be? I'm just thinking, I just got finished getting bullied and I'm finally not experiencing that in my daily life. And now you're going to like yank me back to this other new place. So I kept diaries as a kid. And like, I just remember like crying my eyes out and misspelling Japan in my diary and just being like, I don't know why we're moving here. <laughs> so anyway, we moved to Japan and I was there from the age of 11 to the age of 17. Predictably, I got, I also got bullied my first uh, two years living there just because I was the new Arab kid. And I had a unibrow and very frizzy hair. And I was really good at math and really good at science because the education system in Lebanon, they go by the French system and French mathematics are two years advanced from American mathematics. So when I landed there, I was basically, I was in sixth grade, but I had an eighth grade level math. So everyone just knew me as the new nerd who's really good at math and is from, and this by the way, was right after September 11. Oh, this wow. was probably like, I would say three weeks or a month after that. So it was still very fresh on everyone's hearts. So me, you know, naively as a child, people are asking me, well, where is Lebanon? Where's this country you're speaking of? And I'm like, well, it's in the Middle East. Like, what else would I say? That's exactly where it is. And then, you know, it didn't take long for boys in my class to be like, oh, bomb in your backpack, like whatever. So that was that. And it really wasn't until sixth grade or seventh grade that I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm so tired of being the invisible person who's always picked on. Like, I just, I really want to know what it's like to be popular. And I remember like we were, I was sitting outside and I had made a few girlfriends. Um, one of whom my dad kind of forced us to be friends because he knew her dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dad. <laughs> I think sad, right? But uh, I was sitting, I remember sitting outside with him one time, we were on the football field at recess and there's this girl in my class, her name was Gina and she's half Japanese, half white. And she was like the ideal, like pretty girl in Japan, just like tiny nose, like small eyes, straight hair, like typical, like what's beautiful there. And I just remember looking at her and she was like surrounded by all these guys. And I was just like, I wonder what it feels like to be her, to just like walk around knowing that every girl wants to be your friend and every guy wants to date you. <laughs> and I was so far from that, that I just like, I made it my goal. Like, I was like, I just want that. Like, I want to be popular. I want to know what it feels like. And I remember my friends were like, why do you, why do you care? Like, this just sounds so silly. But looking back on it now, like, I, I think it's because I just spent so much of my life feeling invisible and to my parents, to my mom, because she was always working when I was little no fault of her own, but like, still, I, that was what was imp imprinted in my mind was that you have to work very hard for attention and love. Mm. So yeah, I set a goal that day that I was going to be popular. And I made it happen in ninth grade, I finally got a taste of what it's like for people that you've never met to know your name, what it's like to have haters who make very elaborate rumors about you, what it's like to have several guys who like you and actually be able to choose from them. Like that was my goal. And it was, it was a journey making that happen. But I would say that that is a really big part of who I am because that story just like, it's not a story that people see when they meet me. They see like the charisma and the confidence, the social skills, but they don't see like the bullying, the like the invisibility, the feeling very ugly for a long time and being called ugly for a long time. So mm. thank you so yeah. much for sharing that story. 
How do you feel like being bullied has affected your adult female relationships? Mm. Wow. Well, in all honesty, until very recently, I didn't have many female friendships. Like I was having dinner with my partner one night, not very long ago. And he was like, have you ever thought about why he was like, and I say this not from a place of judgment, like genuine curiosity, but why so many of your friends are single men. And I was like, I know I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> and he was like, I'm just curious, like a girl like you, I would, I would really expect that you would have like strong, solid female friends. And I grew up with those friends. Now we're scattered all across the globe, but still like he pointed out something that was very real about my life at the time, which was that I didn't have anyone that I could just like call on speed dial and be like, Hey, Hey girl, like shit, shit hit the fan and I need your help. And that was a goal. Like after that conversation, I was like, I want to manifest four female friends who are, who love what they do and are in happy relationships or have a healthy relationship to dating and to themselves. Like that is my goal. I'm committed to it. But yeah, I think it impacted me because I just didn't really feel safe around women. Mm-hmm. My relationship with my mom wasn't really good when I was growing up. Like it wasn't the best. And that was kind of my imprint of women in general. So I just didn't really trust women. And I tended to attract women who hurt me. And it just became a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, oh, I don't trust women because they screw me over. Therefore, I just attract more women who screw me over. <laughs> Uh, I really resonate with that. I I have a lot of like childhood trauma around girls and and being like kicked out of the the group on the playground in elementary school. And then Mm. being, you know, being talented in dance, getting the solo and being like ostracized from the girls because they were mad that I got the solo. And then I had a, a best friend in high school that just pieced out on me. And I actually, there was no resolution to that. Like she kind of just did her own thing. And I just felt like dropped her and another girl just totally, you know, abandoned me in that way. And, and I, I think for a long time, while I do have three core best friends for a long time, I had that story as well. And, and it wasn't until the last couple of years that not only did I want amazing friendships, but I wanted like powerful women, connected, spiritual, successful, incredible women. And, and for me, one of those things was, Hey, I get to become this woman first. Mm-hmm. Like I get to become that friend to other people. And, and in the last couple of years, I have attracted the most incredible tribe of women. I can't, I feel so freaking blessed with the women that are in my life because instead of waiting for them to come to me, I'm like, how do I become that woman now? How do I become that, that friend? And that was really powerful for me. But something I want to ask you about, which I think is going to take us right into the dating thing is this idea of the self-fulfilling prophecy of, I don't trust women. So then women would do this thing. I'm going to flip this right on over to men. Because this is a story I think so many women have is, well, I don't trust men. There's no good men. There's no good men. You start dating someone. And then all of a sudden the man becomes the not trustworthy man. And the woman's like, oh, see, there I go again. No good men. Can we talk about all of the dating things? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So ironically, I never had that story ever. Like, because I was such a daddy's girl, like such a daddy's girl. And mind you, my dad was strict as fuck, but he was like, 
he was like a grizzly bear that had moments of grizzly bearness and other moments of like being Winnie the Pooh. And like, I learned that really early on. Like I was like, oh, now he's in grizzly bear mode, but he'll switch back to Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh very soon. And like, that's just how he was. Like he was very, he's very, he still is to this day, extremely disciplined. But like the moment that he sees like, oh, she's getting it, she's doing it. Then he like becomes this warm, fuzzy, like loving presence. And because my mom wasn't really around, she was doing her residency and she has her own story of like, you know, her mom wasn't affectionate or loving. She didn't give her words of affirmation. Her mom never made eye contact with her. We talk about that sometimes. Like, can you imagine an entire childhood where your mom never made eye contact with you? Yeah, my grandma, no. my grandma had my mom when she was 16. She was just like not equipped to be a mom. And my grandpa worked in Saudi Arabia as a chef. So he was never around. She raised six children on her own. So they didn't get, they just didn't get any, any kind of emotional tools to work with. So that's how my mom entered motherhood, like not having any tools mm, wow. and also being overworked. So anyway, my dad was that presence for me. So when I, when I started dating, like I actually expected the best in men because I had had such a great experience. Like my dad was strict. Yes, but he was always there. He was always there. He was, he was always there to listen. He saved every single card that I gave him. I would draw these little cards for both of them. My mom would tuck them away. My dad would display them in his office. And he like, you know, my mom would be exhausted after work. I love to put on these like little shows. My dad loved them. They were so cheesy. And he like, he would just sit down and watch. He was the one that would come to my ballet recitals. He was the one, he really was like the mom. So I never really had that story. However, my first boyfriend ever at 16 um, did have another girlfriend. This was my first ever like real relationship. I was 16. I dated a guy from Albania. He was a university student in Tokyo. And I found out one day that he had a girlfriend back in Albania. And it was a big deal because I lost my virginity to him. And as a Lebanese girl, like your virginity is like your prized jewel. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like, I, I'm going to give this caveat because I've gotten in trouble for saying things like this before. Yes, the culture is opening up because, like, we're not, like, a very, it's not that we're a super closed-minded society there, but, like, it is different than Western society. Like, I, I get to be in honesty when I say that. So, yeah, like, I, my virginity was a very big deal in me. That's how I'd grown up. So, losing it to him and then finding out that he had another girlfriend, wasn't exactly, exactly the best introduction to men. He also made fun of how I had sex. He, there was, no. <laughs> yeah, there's a, in Japan, they say maguro, which means tuna basically, but it's a way to criticize someone who just lays there. Basically it was a joke. It was meant to be a joke, but at 16, when this is your first time ever having sex and you're taught through all these different rap and R&B and hip hop songs that like, you want to know how to do that. It was this whole thing where I was like, fuck you. So anyway, that was my first experience of dating. And um, I broke up with him as soon as I found out. I was very proud of how I handled it. I channeled everything into working out. But I'm sharing this because that really could have stained my image of men forever. But I chose to keep it as an isolated incident. And it's not that I did not blow up relationships after that, <laughs> because I did. And I think it's because I had the idea that I wanna eat them for breakfast before they eat me for lunch. 
So it's not that it didn't impact me at all. It definitely did. However, I did, I did at some point in my journey realize that if you see people as vicious, if you see men as out to hurt you, they end up doing it. Uh, like I've heard of yeah. so many stories where a woman will, you know, just keep sharing why she's so insecure being with someone. And eventually he catches on and he's like, you know what? Yeah, maybe I am too good for her. Mm. So what are the five top tips that you give women? I know you work with generally men and you know, you work with both, but I, I would love for the top five tips for women in dating. Well, I'll share by sharing my top five mistakes that I made. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> so one of the biggest mistakes that I made in dating for a very long time was I gave up on men way too quickly, like way too quickly because I had so much pride and I was so obsessed with keeping this track record of like, I'm never broken up with. <laughs> I'm the one who leaves. I was so obsessed with having that track record that I would just blow things up for the stupidest reasons. Like I didn't like his hands. I didn't like the pores on his nose, like just <laughs> stupid shit that like will never predict long-term happiness. Like they just don't matter. And I think that that was a, a form of self-sabotage. That was a form of me saying like, let me just hurt myself before they have a chance to do it. I would say definitely catch yourself when you're doing that. Sometimes it feels like it's too good to be true, but it's only because you think you don't deserve it. Mm, so not good. Because, yeah. Not because it is too good to be true. Just that you still don't think that you deserve that. Like I dated men who were extremely present and kind and generous and I just didn't think I deserved it. So I, you know, would say, I don't like their hands. I'm leaving. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's so good. So that's the first one. The second one is just notice that what you see in men that you don't like is something that you also have in yourself. And if you run away from him because you don't like that about him without even trying to work through it, you are going to recreate it with the next person. Like I just thought for the longest time, like, oh, this guy never listens to me. He's never present. He, you know, he's never this, never that. So I need to find someone else. But then what I would realize is like, I wasn't being that I wasn't being present. I wasn't being kind. I wasn't being supportive. So when I got into the next relationship after the honeymoon phase, that same shit came back and I'm like, Oh my God, you're doing exactly what the last guy did. <laughs> and I remember talking about it to my psychology teacher in college. One time it was my first ever psychology course. I walked up to her and I was like, Hey, the last seven people I've dated are all very similar. Can you help? Can you tell me why I keep choosing the same person? And she was like, well, what do those seven people have in common? <laughs> and I just had a moment and I, and she was like, what if it's not that you're choosing the same person, but you're just being the same person with every single person you date. <laughs> <laughs> Mike drop. Oh my God. I love that. And I was like, and I remember completely thinking her advice was, I thought it was terrible. I was like, she just doesn't know me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the ego, how tricky our egos are. <laughs> so yeah, just be, catch yourself when you think the next one will be better. And then the third thing I would say is, I kind of already touched on it, but I'll just go into it a little more. Make sure you have a support system. I'm realizing this even now as an adult, how important it is. We no longer date for the reasons we did, you know, 20 years ago. And in modern relationships, like we really do look to this one person to be everything. 
And it's a lot of hats for someone to wear and especially women, because we do have more estrogen and we are more connected to our feelings and we have a lot more of them and they change more often. So it's like, yes, your man can listen to you and like support you and like be that. But at the same time, like it does start to wear down a relationship. If every single insecurity and every single fleeting emotion has to be run by him. So like even the best communicators and the best listeners, like, and and men like still don't, it's not that they don't deserve that. It's just that it's not useful. It's just not useful for your connection. So I'm learning to like hit up my girlfriends and being like, Hey, can I word vomit for 10 minutes about what I'm feeling? (laughs) And then that way, when I go to my partner, like that's already cleared up and he just gets like the nice succinct version of it. Fourth thing take ownership. Yeah. I hear this from men all the time. They really, 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 what men need is appreciation. Women need appreciation too. But what like really fuels a man to continue showing up for his girl is feeling appreciated. And when we don't take ownership and I'll speak for myself, when I don't take ownership and I try to blame something on him like, you know, you just didn't do this, you knew that, da, da. and it's almost like coming into it saying that I expected you to hurt me. Like that really just doesn't land for most men or women. So I've learned instead to be like, hey, I know you really didn't mean to make me feel this way. I know you really didn't mean, you know, to, to make me feel ignored, to make me feel insignificant. Like I know you are doing your best to always make me feel supported. However, this is how I feel. And I'm in ownership that this might just be my interpretation of the situation, but this is where I'm at instead of blaming. So you just get way further like that. It requires more vulnerability, but it will get you way further with men. And the last final thing, and this one is probably the, the most important is that whole like mysterious act. Like that shit doesn't work. It doesn't work. It really, really doesn't. For the longest time, I thought it was so seductive to just not really say what I feel and just be like the cool, like go with the flow woman who's just like Miss Independent, like doesn't have any feelings, doesn't have any needs, doesn't have any expectations. And like, that's how I navigated dating. And I thought it was working. Like I was like, oh, look at all these men. They love me because I just have no needs. What I realized is like, it's like a small explosion waiting to happen. And it just, it literally doesn't work because if you do attract someone who likes you because they think that this is just how you are, like you're just very quiet and kept to yourself and don't ask for much. And that's not actually who you are. Then it's going to blow up when you find out they're not willing to meet you, what meet your needs. And when they find out that you're not actually who you presented and also it doesn't work because men actually really want to do things for us and they really want to make us happy. So when we're withholding things like, and they can't really read us, that's not actually fulfilling for them. Like they're waiting for us to give them a hint of like, Hey, this actually makes me happy. Cause then they can, then they can do that again. (laughs) So Um, I've learned like honesty, it will get you way, way, way further. These are amazing. I took copious notes. I love these. I have a couple questions for you. You talked about the honeymoon phase. When does the honeymoon phase end? What can you, how can we as women navigate honeymoon phase and translate that into like actual relationship? What is your advice around that? For sure. 
So one of my favorite pieces of advice comes from Alison Armstrong, and she says, treat dating like a microcosm of a committed relationship. So treat dating, yeah, like a microcosm of a committed relationship. And, and why I love that is because I think that if we were to bring more honesty and realness to the honeymoon phase, we could have an entire relationship that continues in that tone. But instead, like what so often happens is like you meet someone and you're so excited that they seem to check off every box. And especially women do this. And then we're like, I'm going to show him how much I don't need him. It's and, and like, it's so complex because that's what we've been taught to do. So it's no one's fault. Like, just think about that Neo song, Miss Independent. Like, I used to sing that shit and be like, I'm so independent. I don't need anyone. And like, I get that it's, it's a good sentiment. He's just saying like, oh, she makes her own money. She this, she that. But it's so confusing because it's like, you're told that you need to be super independent and like nonchalant. And like, you know, you just, you got your own thing. But at the same time, like you meet this man who's like his, he has an instinct of wanting to take care of you. And you're kind of just like, no, I'm good. I got it all myself. Like, I don't really need you. And, and you also hear men calling women needy sometimes, like some men calling women needy sometimes. So you're like, if I share how I feel, he's going to think I'm needy. So then we just don't do it. And then the honeymoon phase to me is actually hell more than heaven sometimes. Because I don't know about you, but like my experience of the honeymoon phase is that I'm just like always on my best behavior. And it feels authentic, of course, because I still don't have expectations of that person. But at the same time, there's so many unknowns. Like, like, what are we doing? Where, where is this going? Like, you know, what's the point of it? Like, there's still so many unknowns and especially for women, because we need that certainty, like our instinct. Yeah. I was going to ask you, we we had a really great conversation about instincts. And that's kind of my next question was, can you talk about female instincts versus male instincts and that timing conversation that we had the other day? For sure. Yeah. That actually becomes really relevant in the honeymoon phase because part of what's happening in the honeymoon phase is that your instinct hasn't sounded the alarm yet. Okay. So let me, let me break it down really quick. So female instinct, she's looking for a protector and a provider. This has nothing to do with conscious thought. You could be a multiple eight figure business owner as a woman and still have an instinct. Like it's not something that you choose. It's a primal response. And men have an instinct of providing as well, providing and protecting. Um, But men, their instinct drives them towards producing results. They have a lot more testosterone than us. And if they don't use that testosterone, it builds up and it is not good for anyone. Like that is when men fight with other men. That is when like men become violent. Like they need to use that testosterone. We don't have that. We have copious amounts of estrogen and we don't have nearly as much testosterone as men. So contrary to them, we're more in our feelings and they're more focused on facts. They're more about what's my outcome. We're more about how do I want to feel? So because of that, the, and again, because our instinct drives us to find a protector and a provider, which is something men also don't have, we treat dating very differently than they do. So for men, dating is exactly how it's defined in the dictionary, which is a social engagement. That is how they treat it. It's an engagement with the opposite sex. But for women, 
we meet someone and we're asking ourselves, could you be the father of my children? (laughs) And it's like, even if you don't want to be a mother, you have a moment with yourself where you ask that. And they just don't have that. So the, the joke is that men date and women jump relationships. And in the honeymoon phase, I believe that we override our instinct because it wouldn't be appropriate to reveal all the things that we're feeling and considering in that phase, right? We've been taught that like, that sounds crazy. You don't do that stuff. You don't ask him about marriage or talk about kids or doing all, even though in your head, you're like low key, I'd be down for that. (laughs) So good. But you just don't say it. And you don't say it because you kind of just instinctually know that that would drive him away. But what happens is that at the three month mark, and it's believed that it's three months because that's how long it takes a fetus to form at the three month mark, something shifts with most women where they're like, yo, where is this going? (laughs) And she just like becomes a totally different person. She goes from like Miss Spontaneous, like I'm down for the adventure to like, are you going to put a ring on it at some point? (laughs) And men have been the same the entire time. Like they've just always, they've just been, nothing has changed for them, but suddenly our timeline kicks in and there's a clash. So men don't have a timeline either because they don't have a biological clock. So again, regardless of whether you want to be a mom or not, your body is, your instinct is so strong and it is pushing you to feel certain things and to actualize certain realities. And if that is not what is happening in your reality, there's going to be a lot of tension. Mm. And then that's where we have to make hard choices. Choices like, am I going to have the, where is this going conversation? If it doesn't go my way, what am I going to do? Like, how is this all going to play out? Because that timeline ain't going nowhere. Like that instinct is going to be there. So yeah, that is, that is my real ass experience of the honeymoon phase. I mean, absolutely fascinating. This instinct, the three month thing, like, hello. Yes. I I feel all of this. I've experienced all of this. I think it's absolutely fascinating. So, so what do you do as a woman? Yeah. Is that different from woman to woman or is it, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm looking at myself right now. I'm 34 years old. I do want to have children. I am in the dating scene. Like, yeah, there is an actual timeline. And at the same time, like, do I want kids tomorrow? Hell no. You know, what do you advise the women that you, that you coach? So what you just said is what I would advise a woman that I'm coaching to say, literally just take that and say it. (laughs) Like we need to just dispel the mystery of dating. Like, yes, you go on a date to have fun. I'm, I am so for making dating fun. Like when something feels like an interview, I am like, no, thank you. But part of making it fun is also being your authentic self. Because if you can't have fun in that person's presence as your authentic self, first of all, women, and I think I've I've told you this before, we determine how we feel based on whether or not there's going to be a future with someone. This is instinct. This is not conscious choice, especially after you've had sex with him. So after we have sex with a guy or after we orgasm in his presence, (laughs) we have what's called an oxytocin bond and that oxytocin bond will compel you to stick to that person until you get your period. And then you're off the hook. Your body's like, Oh, you're good. 
Whoa. My mind is blown right now. Yep. And I say this to men too. I'm like, you have a responsibility if you're going to have sex with a woman, because this is what's happening. So I would say like, be real. Like if you are on a date and that is what's important to you, that needs to be a part of the conversation. Like, Hey, by the way, like what's your intention for dating? See what they have to say and then share yours. And sometimes I tell people, like I tell women, especially you can be clear. Like I want this for my life. That doesn't mean that I necessarily want it right now or that I want it with you. Like you can disclose what he might already be thinking. Like, I know that you might be thinking (laughs) that me saying this right now um, means that I want this like with you or that I want this with every single guy I go on a date on, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that this is a vision that I have for my life. Mm. And honestly, I am of the belief that you cannot say the wrong thing to the right person. Yes. I love that. I use that in my network marketing business. I nice. use that in like my coaching business. I use that in every area. Yes. I, I love totally that. I'm in alignment with that. Yeah. You can't, I've tried scaring away my current partner so many times and it's just like, not, I'm just like not succeeding. <laughs> I keep thinking this will definitely be it. Like this will be the thing where he's like, I'm sorry. I just can't be on board with that. And every single time he wants to like work through it and learn more about me. He wants to learn me. So I think it's the same way, even on the first date, like if it's the right person, you get to be authentic. You get to be honest and real about what your intention is for dating and what you want for your life. Oh my gosh. I could talk to you for hours. I'm, we got to wrap up in a few minutes, but can I ask you some like quick laser um, dating questions? Quick advice for someone that is dating on an app, as far as their profile goes. Any thoughts? For a woman or man or both? For a woman. Okay. Don't make all your pictures sexy. So again, everything I'm sharing here, by the way, are mistakes I've made. <laughs> Full disclosure. But don't make all your pictures it's just sexy ones. Like I used to model and I made my dating profile just like an array of my modeling photos. It's not real. Like the whole point of the dating app is to take you from 2D to 3D as much as possible. So like use pictures without makeup on use not all of them like mix them up like some without makeup some where your full body shows some where you're doing something you love some where you're modeling if that's something that's a part of your life like some with your animal but like things that really express like the fullness of who you are to the best extent that pictures can and then bio use the full real estate there should be no characters left Mm, that's amazing what do you say to someone after a first date when they're like yeah, it wasn't, it was fine. I didn't feel the spark. Do they go on a second date or no? Yes. Yes. Because the spark can mean a million things. <laughs> and it, 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 if the flicker is there, it can get stronger. How long after a breakup should you wait before you start dating again? It depends. If you started processing that breakup, before you actually broke up because let's be real i think all of us have waited way too long (laughs) to leave a relationship so usually you've already started processing it before it's actually ended so i I would say it just depends like if you've already been processing if you've already been like mentally emotionally energetically like checked out and ready for the next thing then you could date a month after you could date two weeks after like it's it just depends how long till you wait to say, I love you. Hmm. That's a good question. And do you wait for him to say it first? I've had it both ways. I have 
said it first before. Now, if I'm just going to give my honest advice, I would say, wait until he says it because men are hunters, let them hunt, let them pursue, let them do their thing. Let them be in their instinct and their element. If you hunt a man, he has two options to, to flee or to submit. And I'm not saying saying I love you is hunting, but it is a form of like solidifying something. And I would just let him do it. Amazing. I have like a zillion more things, but I do want to respect our time. I freaking love you. I think you are amazing. I think you are full of so much wisdom and knowledge. And I'm just so thankful that you are in my life. I know that we didn't really even get to talk about the school of modern dating. So I want to give you a second to talk about that because I know after listening to this, people are like, how do I get more Elsa in my life? So I want you to mention your TikTok, your Insta and school of modern dating. Go for it. For sure. And I would actually say that we have been talking about it this entire time because modern dating is the dilemma that we've been covering throughout this entire conversation. Just like finding that strange sweet spot of like respecting and honoring your instincts, but also not letting them run the show. And that is really what the school of modern dating is about. It's about how do I gain clarity on what I'm looking for? How do I learn how to communicate? in a way that actually lands with the opposite sex? And how do I become as confident as I possibly can so that I'm living full out, so that I attract someone who is also living full out? And those are the three phases that the modern, the school of modern dating takes you through. And the beauty about it is that I have men and I have women. So they're both learning from each other about each other. So nothing is left up to chance. We're not sitting as a group of women talking about men making guesses or vice versa. They are there to validate everything I say and facilitate. And to find out more about it, they can just go to schoolofmoderndating.com. You can also just shoot me a DM at Elsa Morick. But just to repeat that, schoolofmoderndating.com, all spelled out, or Elsa Morick. My last name is M-O-R-E-C-K. And I respond pretty frequently on Instagram. So they could just DM me as well. You're and my TikTok amazing. is also at Elsa Morick. Yeah. But, yeah. TikTok girl. <laughs> my TikTok's mostly for men. Just FYI. Okay, great. So like you get to share this with all of the men in your life, all the single men. Um, Elsa also has an incredible book. Hello. Woo! Do you want to talk about your book for two seconds yeah. too? Please. For two seconds. It's called dating for men. It's a guide for attracting women, practical advice from a female dating coach. So there is actually not a lot of dating advice for men from a woman. So that is really what makes this book amazing. And um, I interviewed many women for it. So again, a lot of social proof on the ideas that I'm sharing and I've gotten great feedback on it so far. It's amazing. I ordered like six copies. I'm so I know. excited I you. for you. I'm proud of you. I'm like, you get a book, you get a book. I'm like the Oprah of your book. Oh my gosh. Elsa, you are amazing. The last question I always end the podcast on is if you are in an elevator, you've got like 15 seconds between floors and someone looks at you, a woman looks at you and she's like, Elsa, how do I live my life full out? What do you tell her? Mm, it sounds so cliche, but love yourself. It sounds like I, there's no way around it. That's it. Like that is really the answer to everything. I completely agree. Adore yourself too. Like, don't just love yourself, but like go in the mirror. And I adore myself several times a day, especially Mm. on the days when I need it most. Mm. Juicy. You're amazing. You are too. Thank you so much for joining me. 
If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let the other queens in your life know that they are also worthy of living life full out. If you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook at Samantha Jo Harvey. Have a fabulous day, and I'll see you next time.